News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Well, good morning this fine Sunday morning. Welcome to Garden Talk. You're listening to Rick Van Damendijk and Jill Van Damendijk. And uh, we'd like you to join us today to talk about all your differing gardening things, whether it, whether it was something that maybe happened, uh, you know, this last season to your trees or vegetables or shrubs or whatever, and uh, or it might be something with your house plants, maybe your tropical plants, maybe you're having issues with your 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 succulents and or your cactus or your or your mother-in-law's tongue, your your all your your palm trees and everything else that maybe your hibiscus that you brought in and maybe it's not flowering quite the way it should and what you can do to get it flowering. I mean, Jill's here to answer, help us answer all those questions as well. So give us a call at one 332 8255 and you can either call or text at that number at one 332 8255 Well, we're getting in, Jill, we're getting into the Christmas season now. And now this next sort of two weeks right now, you're going to get into where everybody's really coming in and starting to decorate for the Christmas season. Now, I know that it, at the Christmas trees, I kept telling people that, you know, we're gonna, there's a bit of a shortage of Christmas trees around. And uh, at our tree lot, I've never sold, we've never sold so many Christmas trees this early. Yeah, so, everybody's picking up their tree early, and I think it's a good yep. idea to do that. I know a lot of people aren't necessarily putting them up in their homes yep. quite yet. But a lot of them weren't. A lot of them coming in weren't going to put them up right yeah, away. They're, they're just going to put them into the shade, you know, not in the sun in the backyard, and they were just going to make sure they had their tree. Exactly. They don't want to miss out this year. They don't want to miss out. And so, uh, or get the, the, what, the leftover, you know, Charlie Brown tree at the end of the season, you know, because uh, anytime I would say, I think we're okay until about... Uh, I'd say till the 10th of December. Any day after that is sort of, uh, for us, it's going to be, may not be much left. But I even know last year when people came in around the 10th, it was there was a few trees to pick out of, yep. but it was yep. fairly slim pickings by then. Um, I know we went over this last week, but can you go over again um, how to pick the perfect Christmas tree? What are they looking for? Well, when it, 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 with picking the Christmas per- pick. Perfect Christmas tree. I mean, there's lots that uh, have them opened up and, you know, you can see them. I mean, that that's an easy one. I mean, you just walk down and you can find one that doesn't have a bare spot or anything like that. Now, the ones that are in the lots and all tied up, it's a little bit tougher. So one thing I always say is it's a basically uh, it just if you're looking at a tree lot, just find find three or four trees that you like, okay? So uh, pick them on there, same size trunk approximately, everybody else. And then basically just lift them up, feel the weight of them, because obviously the one that is has the most moisture content is going to weigh the heaviest. Okay, so as long as they're, like you got all these wrapped up ones, they all look sort of identical. They look like they're a little bit thicker in the middle, or maybe if you don't want them thicker, you want them nice and thin. Grab three of them that look the same, uh, and same height, everything else, and then yeah, just lift them up. The one that will be the heaviest of those three, then you'll know that that one, uh, that's the one I would take. Because I know when I'm unloading them out of the truck, I can tell which ones are the, are, are the ones that are, that are going to be the better ones, uh, just by the weight. And, uh, I mean, I'm not talking about one that has a great big trunk to one that has a little tiny trunk because there's a difference in the, just the wood weight. I'm just hanging the, you know, ones that are identical. And if you get them into a lot where you can see, when you actually see the trees, just take the, uh, some needles in, in your fingers and just roll the needles. 
if they feel like they're nice and pliable, then they're they're really good. If they, they have lots of moisture, in lots them. of moisture, and they just if they feel like they not pliable and they want to almost snap, then you know that they're, they're it's not it's going to lose their needles a lot quicker. Now you remember it's, it is early to put up a Christmas tree. <laughs> we are still in November, so if you put that Christmas tree in your in your um, into your stand, remember that you want to make a two inch fresh cut off your tree. Okay. And then what happens is that you want to get it into your tree. A lot of the tree lots will do that for you. The other thing is when you're getting your tree from your tree lot at that point in time, get it, them to put it in a tree bag, especially if you're putting it yep, early, true. and then pull the tree bag down and put a little hole in the bottom of the tree bag and pull it down to the bottom of your stand. And then if you're like me and put your Christmas tree up really early um, at the end of the season when it's all um, a little bit crispy, should I say, you can lift that tree bag back up again with and eliminate some of those needles falling. So yeah, that's definitely something to keep in mind too. So I mean, other than that, um, just just look, look at the tree, make sure it feels like it's it's a little bit heavier and also uh, that it uh, it looks like it's kind of in shape because if they're all tied up, it's really hard to tell. But anyways, yeah, if you've got a call, you've got some other questions you want to talk to us, give us a call at one 332 and you can do that on the call or the text. You can do either one. Now, also, Jill, um, so that's the, the Christmas tree. Now, how about uh, Christmas boughs and those kind of things? The live greens have arrived. The highways have opened from B.C., so we now have cedar yeah, and we hemlock. We finally got our truck in because and some snuck through, but the highways are closed down again. Yeah, they're, but, they're trying to find different routes to get Well, the, there's some rain. rains coming through, so yes. they shut the number three and number one down again in anticipation of this atmosphere weather uh, uh, river coming. Oh, it's crazy. So, yeah, there's, so it's closed down again. So, But we did get some whole bunch of greens in. We're lucky. Yeah, I think we have a few weeks supply now. So we will have greens um, for people to put into their planters outside yeah. to make wreaths, um, to make mantelpieces, their table centerpieces for their events. And uh, there's a few ways you can do that. And we have some warm weather coming up, so it's a perfect time to get out. If you haven't already cleaned out some of your pots, um, I sometimes will dig out some of my pots and leave a space for an insert to go into yeah. um, my container, and that's a really good way. If you haven't done that, well, we're talking about plus temperatures yeah. here, up to in places in the south, up to plus plus seven or something Get like that. A little that, so. chisel out and start yep. chiseling away your pot. The other thing that you can do is you can take a product called Oasis or uh, it's a aqua foam, really, and you can stick that into the soil, and then you can stick your tree branches and cedar um, into your pots. And what I usually will do when I'm building those is I will get something taller for for the center of the arrangement. Maybe that's some dogwood or some birch sticks. You can either cut these out of your yard or you can buy them in the garden centers um, at this time of year. And then I like to add some structure pieces. I love using Douglas fir or white pine for this. I'm sorry, not white pine, um, silver fir for this. Uh, It just gives lots of structure. And then I use my cedar as sort of to fill it on and it always always drapes over and graces the sides of the pots and gives it a softer look. And then I finish it up with some white pine, which adds that nice fragrance. And I just... I love the long needles. They just make that add so much texture into your pot too. Um, if you're picking twigs out of your yard, um, red dogwood is really pretty. Um, you can you can trim and prune those plants right now, so you might as well use some dogwood that's that's in your in your yard to stick them into your arrangement, and uh, you can enjoy it now outside. As far as you're caring for your arrangement, the soil is going to be frozen, and so those are not going to need much water. I'll usually dump a little bit of water into my pot. 
and uh, and then let it freeze in so that the wind doesn't take away my arrangement. Um, but indoors, it's really important that you're misting and you're watering all the time if you have live greens or even a wreath on your door. Um, just taking that inside and putting it in the bathtub and soaking it up every once in a while. There's also a product called Wilt Proof, and that is a product that you can spray on your wreath that you can put on your door or you can before you put it on your mantle, you can put take it in the garage and spray it as well. And what Wilt Proof is, and we use that in horticultural industry and in the nursery industry if we're going to move a plant let's say in the middle of summertime so we'll spray the plant with wilt proof it basically puts a coating on on the on the on the leaves or needles or whatever so they don't transpire as much and just get some past that shock well if you do that to your wreath or your 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 um, your mantelpiece and you spray it then they they won't they won't lose moisture as quickly and so then they'll 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 last a lot longer for you so yeah, Wiltproof is a great product. And also with these temperatures that we're having that are nice and warm, some people who have maybe have trouble with browning on their cedars and, and evergreens, um, Wiltproof is a great product for doing that too. Yeah. And you want to do it when it's a little bit warmer outside. Yeah, out for your outdoor plants, absolutely. Now we're going to talk about that when we come in, about how to take care of those uh, other other um, uh, containers and when, how much to water them, even your Christmas tree. Uh, but we'll, we'll want you to, you'll have to join us here. Uh, we come into the new segment here. Uh, join us at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I'm Rick Van Davidek and Jill Van Davidek. You listen to Garden Talk on six fifty CQM and nine eighty CJME. Welcome to Garden Talk, and uh, we'd like you to join us here on uh, on either call or text at one eight seven seven three three two eight. Two five five, and we're going to go right to the calls, Jill. We got uh, Tom from Choiceland on the line. Good morning, Tom. How are you this morning? Oh, very good. How are you doing? Very good. I'm staying safe. <laughs> staying safe. Staying safe. And with with this warm weather, getting outside and doing lots of things outside as well. Yeah. Well, I can't because I'm disabled. But but anyway, um, I was wondering, what do you do with them pesty worms? that eat your multiplier onions and your radishes and everything up like how do you how do you handle that okay there's a couple ways um number one way the easiest way to do that is get some what's called a crop cover okay and you can get it in either sheets or you can get it in tunnels uh that's look like a little hoop house little greenhouse it's just only it only stands about 12 inches off the ground right. and what you do is you, as soon as you plant your radishes or you, as soon as you plant your onions you put this crop cover over top of them. Now, if you get a sheet, what you do is you just put some sticks up or anything like that just to hold it off the ground just a few inches. And then you leave that on there. And also, it's very important, first of all, to plant your onions in a different location first. Okay? Okay. Different location in the garden. Because obviously, those what happened is that as soon as those onion maggots, what they did is they, they'll come out of the onion and they'll, they'll, they'll basically pupate in, in, the, um, uh, in, in the soil. So I don't want to plant in the exact same spot. I want to put it in a different spot. Because when I cover my, my onions for next year or my radishes with that cover, what I'm doing then is that those larvae are going to hatch as a fly. Okay? And they're going to come out of the ground and hang around your yard, on, usually on something that's yellow. And what, what do we have in the spring that's yellow around your yard? Dandelion. Yeah, Dandelion. Dandelion. Right? So they'll hang around. But what will happen is that now your onions will pop out of the ground, or your radishes will pop out of the ground. You have all those leaves. But now the fly is going to want to go and lay their eggs on the plant while those eggs aren't there anymore. I mean, th- those plants are not, th- are not accessible to those flies. 
And so what will happen is they'll just go somewhere else and lay their eggs, and then you won't have that issue this, that next year, okay? Okay. So that, that's an easy one. That's, you know, very simple to do. Put some crop cover over top of it. And the leave other some, cool... Leave some space so that the plant will grow. The other the one... The other one is um, using nematodes, and yeah. it's really neat the way we're able to use these natural yeah. um, biologicals. Now, what a nematode is, it's another little worm that you actually spray onto your garden or onto, you can put it into your lawn if you've got cut worms and all those kind of things. And then they go and seek and destroy. Those go after any, any of those grubs or insects or that larva that might be, that hasn't hatched yet. They'll go after and, and go after them and attack them and eat them. That's a better way, I think. So, so that's a good way too, and it's called simpler way. Yeah, yeah. So that one there works really good. You gotta, you gotta spray it. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta moisten your 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 uh, ground first because nematodes won't uh, can't move around in dry soil. Okay. So basically, plant your garden, and then and then spray this uh, like as if you're gonna you know wet your garden down, and then once your garden's wet, spray the nematodes on. Give it another uh, sprinkle again with water, and then that'll make it so that they, these nematodes can move around in the soil and seek and destroy. Get to work. Get to work. So it's called nematodes. Nematodes, yeah. It's called, basically it's called, um, it's called grub buster, okay? It's called? Or grub buster, or grub, yeah, grub buster. Oh, so grub, grub buster. Grub buster nematodes, okay? And well, there's there's some other different names for them, but the nematode is is that that's what it is. The nematode is a little worm that goes around and seeks and destroys. And there's different companies that make it, and um, so NIC out of Ontario and Premier Tech uh, also makes it uh, a product as well. So there's a couple of products out there that, and remember these are live products. So then you gotta you know when you get your product, you gotta you put it don't leave it only lasts for six months so make sure you get it into your garden and get it like, to work right I, away i use something like that in my rain barrel i forget what it's called and you put it in there and it eats the mosquito larvae. oh yeah that, that's a that's a bacteria again yes that's another bacteria which attacks the um that that attacks the uh, the, the mosquito larva it's no different than you see the cities and towns spraying in the in the sloughs and that kind of stuff yeah yeah it works really good and there's there's a couple of ones the ones one's called mosquito dunks there's little little round little look like little round tiny donuts and you huh. throw them in your ponds and, the, and then it releases that bacteria which goes after those uh, that larva from the mosquito yeah uh, i forget what mine's called back yeah back baccarat yeah probably yep yeah <laughs> same thing it's, it, that's what it is it's it's just a it's a bacteria that goes that that attacks that ne- that uh, that mosquito larva and works really well that's why all the cities and towns use it for and it's safe yeah, and I, uh, like, that's what I put in a rain barrel, but I don't really do that. Like, Mom does all the gardening, and uh, not me, but, cause, but whatever. But, yeah, yeah, like, that's so, that's the way to go. It's green. Yep. So those two things way to do it, and that's the best way to uh, to to get rid of those maggots and, and uh, radish um, radish worms as well. I love that you're preparing for next season already and trying to solve some of these issues. So definitely if you guys, callers, have questions for next season that maybe you had issues for, remember there's so many people who are having the same problems as you. So call call in, ask us questions, send us a um, on the text line. The text line is... one 332 8255 
Yeah, so that you know, Jill. Once we come into the season now, we're talking. We were talking about Gary again about uh, your greens and that. Now, some people are saying that you know the the first couple of days is the most important. Now, you had that issue in your house. What happened after the first uh, three or four days after putting your Christmas tree up? Well, I put my Christmas tree up, and it took probably about four to six liters of water at least once a day for the first four days. It was drinking up so much water. And then what happened is uh, my kids had a tournament and so I went away for a weekend and the Christmas tree wasn't watered for a weekend and I came back and then the tree wasn't soaking up water anymore. The it, it what the water wasn't going anywhere. It was just always full. So that's when I called called you and I said, Dad, what should I do to my tree? I don't want to undecorate it. So you had some great solutions on what we could do there. Yeah. So what you can do there is that basically the pores of once you once you dry it out once you get air what's called air pockets that get into the into the pores of the tree and it makes it like a little well it's an air pocket so it makes it so the water won't go up anymore. Okay. So that's why it's important not to let it dry out in the first place. Very important, especially the first three or four days when it's rehydrating. And so, but if it does stop sucking, what I've done is I've taken my cordless drill and then I've put a bit on it, like a half inch bit, and I've drilled holes around the trunk. Drilled a few holes around the trunk. So then that's like reopening up the pores again underwater. So your bit, you're going to be drilling underwater, and not the whole drill, just the bit underwater. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, because then, and then that way I've got it to suck water up again. Yeah, and so that's, that's what the one we did trick. do, and yeah. it ended up working in our tree. Yeah. Like we, I think we had a big 14 foot tree that year, and so it sucked yeah. a lot of water yeah. after we did that. So it was perfect. Now, one thing you got to watch too when you are picking up your tree is that now, now when they cut the trees down, it's all done mechanically. So they use these, these, these tractors with this arm on them with a saw on them and they or sometimes a big clamp and they just cut them off so watch for your tree too because some of them i've noticed have a great big scar sort of going on an angle vertically up the trunk okay so what happens is they damage the bark right so what can happen then is that if you stick that into your your trunk and there's a big enough uh like it goes around the around the trunk quite a ways that side of the trunk's not going to suck up water very well Okay, so that's what you got to watch. You may not want to pick one like that, or if you do, you might want to trim it up so it's higher, uh, so that the more of the trunk is sitting into the into the water. Okay, above above that, because sometimes what'll happen if as long as it's cut like that, as long as you can you can open that up, that that you can drill some holes again, so that it can suck water up even through that 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 damaged part of the bark. Okay, but if if it's all sealed up and hard again, then it's not going to suck water through that through that damaged part of the bark. That makes sense. So, the other thing to um, to make it easier for watering is making sure that you trim off some of those br- bottom branches so that you can actually get to the water reservoir is really important because if you make it easy for yourself to water the tree, you're going to be most likely water the tree more often. Whereas if it's hard and you're trying to get underneath there and you can't really get in there, yep. you're not going to want to water your tree yep. as much. When we come back after the news break here, Jill, I want we want to talk about Christmas gifts for, for gardeners. Mm. And so there's all kinds of Christmas gifts. People are out there looking for their Christmas gift right now. But we want you to text in or call in telling us your favorite Christmas gift that you got for the gardener. You're listening to uh, Garden Talk here on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Thank you for joining us here today on Garden Talk. You're listening to Rick Van Davenek and Jill Van Davenek. 
I'd like you to join us here on the text or the phone call. We were going to be talking today about Christmas gifts and your favorite Christmas Christmas gift that you got that's in, related to gardening. And uh, so we'd like you to give us a text or give us a call. Just make a little note even in the text of what kind of gift you got and you, that you really enjoyed having. And it's one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. That's one eight seven seven. Three three two eight two five five. So you can either do that by phoning or texting. It's the same number. And uh, this could be like um, a gift for a hostess gift. It could be a gift um, that you want to receive under the tree. It could just be a little a little hint to your husband or to your wife. I I would really or to like your kids. This like, gift. what do I get, mom and dad? Right? Yeah, what do I get, mom and dad? Who's an avid gardener? Um, there's there's so many options out there, and um, it's it's neat to explore. And we want to see. See what gifts you would suggest as callers. So probably some of the the the, the top gifts I've seen I seen over the years uh, is probably a, number one would probably be a hand pruner. That'd probably be the like a, more like a one with either a Corona or a Falco. Obviously, a little bit more money. They're probably anywhere from fifty to a hundred dollars, you know, for those pruners. But once you have one of those pair of pruners, um, you're going to be handing it down to your great grandchildren. <laughs> They're so, very good quality. They're and very good quality, and I still have a pair that my dad still bought, had when he was very young. And so, you can take them and get them sharpened. And yeah. yeah, you put new blades on them, you can get new springs on them, you can do all those kind of things. And uh, and like I said, they just don't... I ha- I've had some less expensive uh, pruners, and cutting some branches, sometimes the blades, the, the, the shaft, which the, the attached to it by the blade there, just snaps off. And you'll never get that with a Falco or Corona unless you're unless you run them over. Having the right tools for the right, right job, thing. yes, absolutely. Also, for a lot of people who have apple trees and those kind of things, a pole pruner. It's a pole pruner that telescopes out, and you can reach up about twelve feet for. Then you don't have to make sure that your your um, your loved one or your your grandfather or whatever that doesn't be crawl, getting up on the ladder and crawling up the tree. It, telescope's up to about 14 feet high. It has a rope down so you can give it a pull and you can trim some of those branches off. Works great for apple and fruit trees uh, because you can get in there and just do some thinning out and those kind of things as well. Because a lot of people like plarding their apple tree, which means cut the top off because they don't want to reach way up there. But if you do that, you get all those those what I call water sprouts, all those branches that grow up. Every, every cut you make, there'll be two or three branches that'll come over those cuts. Well, then now you can take a pole pruner and go up there during the summertime, and when they're just, those new ones, new branches are just growing, you can just thin them out again. So it doesn't take all the energy away and all the light away from uh, from your apples that are in the tree. So it's uh, it's exactly how the, the arborists use it as well, and so it works really well. And another one that you can get is there's a, also a telescoping pole with a basket on the end that For you can picking. picking apples, mm. right? And so then you don't have to worry about how short your tree is because you can just reach up there without climbing the tree and you can get that last couple of apples at the top without, uh, <laughs> so that you can make that little extra pie and then you don't have to worry about the birds getting them and those kind of things. we got a call going on right now, Jill. We're going to go to Lynn in Weyburn. Good morning, Lynn. How are you? Not too bad. You have a question. Well, um... I've grown crown of thorns for years and years, and the first two years it bloomed all the time. And lately, for a long time, I haven't been able to get it to bloom. It's healthy, but it doesn't bloom. 
Now, what you can do with the crown of thorns, you can try stressing it a little bit, and that will um, help it bloom. And you can do that either by putting it into an area with a little bit um, cooler temperatures and almost treating it like it's having a seasonal change. Um, when you do that, uh, the other thing is, is moving it into a room maybe um, it's a little bit darker and then moving it into some bright sunlight. You really want to watch that. You also want to watch your watering on your crown of thorns. They are a cactus, but when they're blooming and they have their, their leaves on them, they do require a little bit more moisture too. So it's really important. It'll, it'll mimic a spring effect, right? Yeah. Basically. So it's really important when they're in that stage that you are giving them a little bit more water because if you are treating them like a cactus when they're in the, get in the blooming stage or getting close to the blooming stage, those blooms are not going to have enough energy and they're going to deplete. It's also really important that you're giving them some fertilizer. So grabbing a cactus fertilizer, or you can even just use a, a tropical plant like the Schultz 10-15-10 fertilizer in the active growing season. So when we're getting a little bit more sunlight, and that will definitely help your crown of thorns. So, uh, what, what's the fertilizer that you recommended? Um, there's the cactus one. I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember the numbers off the top of my head, but you can also use the Schultz plant food, which is the 10-15-10 and you can just use that. You don't need very much of it. It's just a few drops in your watering can when you water. Okay, well, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, bye. Also, uh, we have a couple of texts we should take care of, Jill, here. Um, uh, inherited succulents that are not in soil, know nothing about them. They don't, do they, do they have to be in moss? Uh, looks like the moss is dead on the top right now. Often sprayed with water. What type of water? This is uh, Julie from Battleford. Awesome, Julie. Well, succulents, it's a, it's a great question. A lot of times we can gift succulents and we're taking cuttings off of our succulents. Um, it's a great way to share these little plants. And first thing what you want to do when you're taking a, when you have a cutting from a succulent is you want to callus over the edge. So just putting them on a windowsill or sitting them on top of the soil, you're not wanting them to be in soil. Now they're in moss. Um, I'm glad to hear that the moss is dry because you don't want wet moss because succulents still start rotting then. So you want it to callus over on the side. This could take a couple weeks for them to callus over. And then what you can do is you can either stick those pieces into soil or you can just leave them out until you start seeing roots form on those, on the ends of those calluses. Once the root, roots form, you can stick those into the soil and get them going for you. So definitely a, a really easy way to, to propagate succulents and share them with your friends. Um, succulents are also something that in the wintertime, they stretch towards the sunlight and they don't look very nice in the winter. So rearranging your succulent arrangements is really important to do and taking cuttings off them. I know a lot of times we'll cut up my succulent um, plants down in half or even down to a third and then that will get them going back from the bottom again. And they can use all those little cuttings to make new ones again. Yeah, exactly. And if you're having trouble with them rooting off the stem, you can actually take the little petals or the leaves off the ends of the succulents and they'll start actually getting roots and let those callus over. You get roots from the bottoms of those as well too. So that that's a good one. So, you know, people can join us. We love answering questions like this. And so that's just our passion is answering questions. So give us a, a text or a call at one 332 I have another one here is from, we had the talk about the nematodes and, and the maggots and that kind of stuff earlier. And so uh, Barry from Kindersley says, listening to your conversation about grub buster nematodes, will that product control fish flies at the cabin? Now, I don't know if it'll control fish flies in the cabin because the fish flies, um, uh, where they come from is along near the shore and that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know because it's, I don't, I don't, there's not, the fish flies is not, uh, no, noted on the label of the product. I'd have to do a little more talk. So you know what, um, 
Barry, if you want to give me an email at rick at dutchgrowers.com, I'm going to check uh, with the label with a bit more, and I'll maybe check with the manufacturer of those, uh, of the people that, that grow them, and then I'll find out what if, or maybe there's another product that they have that does control the fish flies that's not the, not this, uh, this uh, the grub buster. So give me a call, Barry. That's a good question, and I'll look into that, and we'll get back to you that way. So... Um, so talking more about Christmas gifts there, Jill. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Christmas gifts, another great Christmas gift is uh, bird bass. That's yes. been a, the very common one that we see every year is bird bass. And now there's a lot of bird bass out there that have actually heaters in the, built into them. Yeah, or you can buy the heater separate and put it into yeah, And the put it into bass. them because you, if you want to attract birds to the yard, water, food is a big thing, okay? Water is even bigger for birds. Okay, mm-hmm. that's why in Saskatoon we have a we have a river that that's opened up all all winter long because of the the QE power plant here that releases hot water and keeps the water open. We have resident geese that stay here all winter long, and that's because there's open water. They 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 want water to be able to go. If there wasn't water, they wouldn't hang around that much. So um, so having a, a, a for the winter time uh, a, a heated bird bath is is huge for birds. And then making sure you have your bird food out there too that, that attracts your different types of birds as well. And so that's a great gift as well. And then another one that's probably the, a big one is just even the decorative stepping stones and those kind of things. That seems to be good. And there's also decorative uh, 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 bowls that, that are non-heated for bird bass that you can set on the ground or on a pedestal. They're almost like, um, uh, they're almost what I would call it, like um, like a like a, a stained, stained glass, glass, almost like a stained glass, and they're really decorative and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So any other things in the in the plant world that people are really looking at? Um, well, a few things is a grow light system for those hobby gardeners, um, getting some grow light so that you can garden all year round and maybe get some seedlings going. So that's a great gift. Um, I always say that um, planters or pots are a great gift too. Yeah. Um, if you're wanting to do that, I say if you have a beautiful plant but you don't have a nice pot, it's like having a painting without a frame around it. So making sure that you get those pots um, that are just maybe someone's been eyeing something up but not wanting to spend the money on it, that's a great gift as well too. So we're going to go to a break right now. Right after the break, we got we got uh, Carrie from Saskatoon. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Welcome to Garden Talk. You're listening to Garden Talk here on 650 CPM and 980 CGME. And you know what? We'd like you to join us here uh, for at one 332 either by call or text. And we're going to go right away to uh, to Carrie in Saskatoon. Good morning, Carrie. How are you? Good. Good morning. You had I'm a question. I'm tired. You're a bit tired. <laughs> now you got a question about tomatoes. Yes, got some tomatoes from the local grocery store here, and you're not supposed to put them in the fridge, so I kept it on the counter and kind of forgot about the the last two, and the uh, two tomatoes are starting to sprout a tomato plant out of it. Is it too early to let it just grow a bit longer in the tomato and then put it in the soil or just ditch them? 
Well, what you can do is basically what's happened is some of the seeds inside are germinating. You've got these little tomato plants. So as soon as the seeds have started to germinate and you've got a little bit of root on there, you can definitely put them into the soil. Just remember when they're attached to the plant there, they have quite a bit of moisture. So when that plant is a little seedling, you don't see this very often. No, you don't see this very often. At all. So it's kind of interesting that you called in. Um, Very, very neat. You'll have to take a picture and send it in to us um, at info at dutchgrowers.com. We would love to put that up on our social media. That's very neat. And uh, just make sure when you put it in the soil, make sure you keep that soil nice and moist just by misting it for the first little bit until those roots get developed so it does have enough um, enough moisture in there. Now, tomato plants in the wintertime is a little bit difficult to grow indoors, and they grow quite quickly, and they're going to stretch because there's not enough light. So make so sure a, you're... a grow light or something like that would be perfect if you have one. And right? make sure you put the grow light close enough. Um, the other or thing, in a south window. Yeah, and right? the other thing to be prepared for is to be able to bump that um, up in to some a different size pot so that as it grows you can put it into a bigger pot. Should I leave it growing in the tomato as long as I can then? Absolutely. Well, as long as the, there's still moisture in the tomato, but actually the, it'll start the tomato will start withering away obviously, it'll start right? Rotting, yeah. It'll start rotting, so then you want to get it before that point, but you can't flies. Yeah, and also you get they also fruit get flies. the fruit flies, right? So you can leave it there for a little bit longer, but then I would suggest, you know, doing the transplanting. Yeah, because the stalk is really thick, and oh. I'm surprised. That's it's very not like neat. A little thin well, thing. If, if you have the capability of taking a picture and sending it to us, that'd be awesome. That'd be good. Okay, and so thank you. For, I can do that. What? Yep. What do I send it to again? Just, just to info at dutchgrowers dot com. Info at dutchgrowers dot com. At dutchgrowers dot com. Well, thank you for calling in, Casey, and good luck with that. Uh, we're going to go to Dave in Kipling, Saskatchewan. Thank you, Dave. Morning, Rick. Good morning. Uh, question about a Venus flytrap. Yes. Bought one back in April. It was doing really good. And, uh, geez, we'd have like eight or nine new traps fall, uh, coming out of it at a time type of thing as they replace each other. Um, but I did some reading up on it, and I understand that uh, from about... October till maybe April, they go quite dormant. That's correct. Yep. And so, like no growth at all, or minimal growth, or and that's kind of what we're experiencing now. And we did transplant it, um, and it said kind of half vermiculite, half sterile soil that we transplanted into a little bigger pot. Yeah, the other thing in the winter is they like the humidity as well, too. So making sure that you have that pebble tray around there so that they, they have quite a humid. Remember, in nature, they grow in kind of a boggy environment. So cre- recreating that sort of boggy environment is really important. But you are right. They do go dormant for a period of time. So not getting any growth or even it looking like it's almost has, is dying back a little bit, that's yeah. quite normal. Just make sure you're consistent on your watering and keeping that humidity there. And then when it's actively growing, when we're getting a little bit more daylight hours, it will it will start. No, some colors, some people that might be listening don't know what a pebble tray is, Jill. What's oh, a pebble tray? A pebble tray is just simply a tray. Um, so it could be a dish or a uh, plate, and then you put pebbles on it, and you fill it with water. Little rocks. Little rocks, yep. and then you set your plant on top of it or your arrangement on so top of it. So that it's not sitting in the water. In the water, but the water can evaporate around, around it. Around the plant. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, because we've just been taking a spritzer bottle and giving yep. it a little spritz yeah, every that, day type of thing. That's perfect too. And when you're when you're misting it, just make sure you're misting only enough so that that water is evaporating within about thirty seconds to a minute. Anything more than that, and you'll start getting some rot on that plant. Another thing you can plant it into is a terrarium. Like like they love that you know terrarium situation where it does keep the humidity in a mm-hmm. bit more. You have to make sure that you're using your your charcoal and everything else for in that. But uh, that's another way you can do it too. Yeah, thanks for the call. Good. Thank you so much for the help. Good luck. Good day. Okay, we have Ian in Saskatoon. Uh, Good morning, Ian. Hi, good morning, Rick. Good morning. Uh, Probably, I don't know, six weeks ago or so, I was talking to you about whether or not it was too late or too early to be watering uh, ferns and mugle pines, or I'm sorry, uh, scotch pines and mugle pines. Yes. And I gave them a really good watering, you know, probably like, going like around the tree at 45 degree at a time for like 15, 20 minutes. Um, last night I was outside looking at them. It almost looks like the ends of the branches have like uh, a like different colored green, almost like new growth. W- would it be possible to be getting new growth this year? And I'm kind of like probably nothing I can do about it, but I'm kind of worried if it is new growth, if you know, when it does get to be minus 30, will they withstand that? Yeah, no, they'll be fine. Uh, you'll, you'll sometimes get that when you get all these little Chinooks we get, little warm spells we get. And like we had, this has been a warm fall, right? And yeah. so, um, no, it's not nothing you have to worry about. The trees will be fine. The roots are, the root area is starting to freeze now in most cases. And, um, and so the biggest thing I worry about the trees more than anything this time of the year is that, you know, the plus sevens, plus tens, when the roots is frozen, then it desiccates the top. And pines, you'll see, you'll see the tips sometimes go actually a yellowy color or a lime color. Right, okay. and sometimes get a little bit of a brown hue just on the tips. But I've seen that lots, and the trees just bounce back through because the buds will be fine. It'll be just be those little needles at the end that'll look like that. Okay, and can I throw in one thing for yep. that last guy that called about the uh, the pebble tree? Absolutely. <laughs> one thing that helps, or one thing that works too, is if you don't know what to do with your marbles from when you're a kid. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You could put them on a tray with water. Just make sure you put enough that they don't, uh, you know, roll around. Roll around. And they got also different different colors in them, a good decorative way you can do it, too. Just uh, just don't put some boulders in with the, some of those little regular marbles. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Be a little bit off-shaped there. Yeah, yeah, it does look nice. <laughs> Thanks for your call. That's great. Take care. Have a good day. So th- those are great to have, and... Uh, and so uh, lots of people give those kind of, we love it when people give their little little other tips and hints about how to, t- how to take care of things. And so, um, so Jill, um, when, we, uh, when we talk about that Christmas gift, don't forget to get out there. There's also all these little towns and everything else around you uh, all have a little greenhouse or a garden center or something within a little while, short while in Saskatchewan all over the place. Gift cards are also a great one uh, because a lot of those little greenhouses aren't open, but they have gift cards where your favorite, uh, you know, grandparent or parent or can go up there and pick up their plants in the spring. That works well as, uh, for that. So give the gift of growing for give, next spring. Give the gift of growing for next spring. So, anyways, uh, have a great week, everybody, and enjoy this weather. And remember, if if your if your plants are getting totally with this warm weather around Saskatchewan and getting uncovered, especially those tender perennials, cover them up with some snow or some mulch now to protect them because we are going to get cold. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME.